The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, preached on December 11, 2011, based on Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit prepares our hearts for Jesus is Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, the first part of the first lesson. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Keep Christ in Christmas. We hear that slogan at this time of the year, but what does it mean? Does it mean never to abbreviate Christmas as Xmas? Or never to substitute Happy Holidays for Merry Christmas? Does it mean to lobby for nativity scenes on public property or to downplay Santa Claus in our own homes? Does it mean to get rid of the commercialism, materialism, and greed and replace it instead with a focus on the togetherness of family and on reaching out to help those less fortunate? What does it mean to keep Christ in Christmas? Rather than taking a poll or consulting the experts, Let's listen to what Christ himself has to say. For you see, 700 years before his birth, Jesus speaks and has the prophet Isaiah record his words here in Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus himself is saying, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. And if you remember what the word Christ means, you see how pertinent this passage is for talking about why to keep Christ in Christmas. The word Christ means anointed one. And here Jesus says that he is the anointed one, that the Lord has anointed him. Or we could paraphrase Jesus' words like this, the Lord God has appointed and sent me to do the work of the Christ, the anointed one. To keep Christ in Christmas means to know what that work is that the Lord God appointed and sent Jesus to do as the Christ. And, and it means to believe that he did this work for you. Jesus, the Christ, was anointed and sent for you, dear friends. And that brings us to our theme here today. Christ Jesus declares, I'm anointed for you. That's his message, his good news to you, dear friends. He's anointed for you. For you 
who are the poor, broken-hearted, that mourn. And that brings us to the first part here today. Listen again to some of what Jesus says here and see to whom he addresses these words. He says, The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Christ was anointed for you who are the poor, brokenhearted, that mourn. But now as we think about this, we realize that when Jesus here talks about the poor, he's not talking about the 99%, and he's not talking about those who are below the poverty line or even the bottom 1%. That kind of poorness needs food, clothing, and shelter, and probably also job skills, training, and uh, opportunities. To simply speak good news to that kind of poor and not follow it with deeds is to add insult to injury. No, Jesus is talking about a very different kind of poorness. And that becomes clear as we look at the rest of the text here, doesn't it? For you see, these poor are the brokenhearted. Now often when our secular society talks about a broken heart, it's referring to a close relationship that has been damaged, ruined, or destroyed. A parent's heart broken by the loss of a child. A wife's heart broken by her husband's infidelity. But what is the closest relation possible for human beings? Isn't it the relationship between us and our God? He is the one who has created us and even fashioned us in our mother's womb, caring and providing for us, protecting us. He is the one who has redeemed us, ransoming us with his uh, lifeblood. What a price he paid. And he is the one that wants to sanctify us to be his holy temple so that he may dwell in us. And what has sin done to that relationship? Our sin made us disobedient, rebellious, hostile toward God, anything but a dear child. Every sin is infidelity against God, cheating on Him, prostituting ourselves. Any sin, even that one that we want to excuse, or especially that one we want to excuse, pushes us away from Christ, our bridegroom, and pollutes and desecrates the Holy Spirit's temple. We have broken God's heart, so to speak. And when we see the horror of our own sin, that my sin, my own sin, has driven me away from my God, then my heart breaks too. What have I done? What have I done? Examine your heart, dear friend. And see the horror of your sin. Our sin ruined our relationship with God. Yes, see the horror of your sin and does not your heart also break with sorrow, grief, and sadness? With such horror and terror, what have you done? And so we mourn 
we grieve. How great our sin is. How dark the death we have earned for ourselves. How deep the pit of hell we've dug. How strong the chains and the, of our captivity and the bars of our prison. How grim and dismal our mourning, our grieving is. Keep Christ in Christmas. Because you need him, dear friend. How desperately we all need him. Call out with David of old. Call out with David saying, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. For Christ was anointed for you. He was sent for you whose hearts are broken. He was sent for you who confess your spiritual poverty. Like beggars, we have nothing of our own to offer our God, nothing to appease his anger, nothing to earn his favor. How great our poverty, our poorness is, apart from Christ. But that's exactly for whom Christ came. He came for you. For you who are the poor, broken-hearted, that mourn. And he proclaims to you his good news of liberty and joy. Which brings us to the second part here today. Christ Jesus declares, I'm anointed for you, for you to whom I bring the good news of liberty and joy. Now, what does this good news say? What does Jesus speak to us and to our hearts? Well, here's that good news. Jesus says to you, dear friend, he says to you, I bind up your broken heart, for you see, I have reconciled you to God through my death on the cross. That's why I was anointed and sent. That's why I was born and laid in a manger. My death in your place reconciles you to God. It restores that relationship that your sin had destroyed. For you see, my death has paid for your sins. My cross takes away your guilt. Be reconciled to the Father through me, Jesus says. Be reconciled and let your broken heart be healed by my good news. Jesus continues to speak to you and me and he says, I'm anointed for you to free you from Satan's captivity and to release you from death's prison. For you see, I did not only come to die for you, I also came to rise from the dead in victory. I came back to life. And as the champion, I marched through hell itself. Not even Satan could stop me. I burst death's chains. They could not hold me in the tomb. And many witnesses testify that I have risen so that you may believe this good news of liberty. Why let sin rule in your heart and life? For I have conquered sin for you. I have set you free. Why live in fear of failure, loss, death, and hell? I have set you free. Believe my good news of liberty. And Jesus continues to say to you and to me, the Christ says to us, I am anointed for you to proclaim to you 
the year of the Lord's favor, his time of grace. Do not doubt that I have freely done all this for you. For you see, it depends entirely on God's grace and not on you. If it depended on you even in a little bit, then there would always be doubt. But my good news depends entirely on God's grace alone, and his grace will not fail. So do not doubt, but believe. That's why I proclaim my good news to you, thy good news of God's grace, my grace. God's love is his free gift, flowing from his goodwill, unearned, unmerited, undeserved by you. Your faith and certainty are built on God's grace alone and not on your efforts or intentions. Jesus calls out to us to believe his promise of grace. And then he goes on and says here, don't worry about those or don't be misled by those who would malign and abuse my grace by adding works to it. For the day of vengeance is also coming on all those who have opposed me, judgment day. But for you who believe, that too will be a day of grace. Christ continues and keeps saying to you and me, I'm anointed for you to comfort you who mourn over your sins. Remember the waters of your baptism I have washed away your sin. Be comforted. Taste the bread and wine in my supper. You are eating my body and drinking my blood. Remember that my body carried your sins to the cross in your place. And my blood was poured out to pay the ransom that redeems you. Be comforted, for your sins are forgiven. Your debt paid up in full. And finally, Jesus continues and, and says to you and to me, I'm anointed for you, and here is what I bring to you who grieve over your sin. Here is the crown of victory I have won for you. Wear this crown instead of the ashes of hopelessness. Here is the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Let it heal your hurt and brighten your heart. Here is the garment of praise instead of despair. In order to lift your soul with joy, the joy that you wear in your life, to bring praise to your God as others see the great things that he has done. Yes, what good news Jesus proclaims to you and to me the good news of Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, frees us from death's prison and binds up our broken hearts. His good news of liberty and joy comforts us with the forgiveness of our sins so that praise and joy well up in our hearts and overflow into our lives. Keeping Christ in Christmas keeps His good news reigning in our hearts and lives. And this transitions us then into the final thought here this morning. What is the result 
of Christ, being anointed and coming to do the work of our Savior. The result is not only our salvation, but it's also God's glory. And God is glorified not only through Jesus, but also through you, dear Christian, and through you and me. For you see, Jesus was anointed for you, whom the Lord has planted for his glory. Which brings us to the third part here. Jesus is talking about you, the poor in spirit who believe his good news. He's talking about you when he says here, they are called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He's talking about you, dear Christian. When a person or when people have a good garden, they bring their produce to the county fair. And what they have planted brings them recognition and honor as the ribbons are handed out. Now the Lord's planting, his garden, is not corn, beans, or squash. It's you, dear Christian, it's you and me. We're the Lord's planting for the display of his splendor, his glory. And maybe our first reaction here is, well, but I'm nothing special. That reaction, though, already focuses on the wrong subject. We're not talking about what we've made of ourselves as if this is for our glory. When a squash gets a purple ribbon, a grand champion at the fair, who gets the glory? The gardener who planted and grew it, right? Not, not the squash. And so also, the good that is in you and me, all of it comes from the Lord. He is the gardener. He calls us oaks of righteousness, not because of our own goodness, but because Christ's righteousness makes us strong, sturdy, and steadfast to stand before the judge. It's because of the good that he has worked in us that we display his splendor and show his glory like a beautiful garden. So, dear friends, your fellow Christians, let others see the good the Lord has done for you and let, him see, let them see the, the good that he is still working in you. Let them see it not so that they praise you, but so that they praise Christ, the Anointed One. Make it clear that when you do what is right and good, it's because Christ has been anointed for you to bring you his righteousness, to comfort you with his good news. That's why we keep Christ in Christmas, so that he is glorified. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.